Can the Christian Worldview offer you or someone you know that's struggling with mental health issues any hope? Well, we're going to discuss that and more on this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. We are also joined by Dawson Conway, Bobby's son. So uh, we, we we invited Dawson along because we are continuing our series in Mental Health Awareness Month, which is in the month of May, and we've been addressing specific topics around the issue of mental health for, throughout the whole month of May. So you want to make sure that you check out all of those episodes, and if you want to make sure that you are aware and get notified when new episodes um, arrive, you want to make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, click on that little notification bell, leave us a thumbs up if you like this video, and we'll make sure that uh, you get all those notifications. You can also check this episode out as an audio-only podcast on your favorite podcast player. Maybe leave us a review if you enjoyed this and share it with a friend. So we're going to dive into how the Christian worldview specifically can help give hope to those people that are struggling with mental health issues. So guys, let's just first start by kind of just defining our terms here. When we're talking about specifically the mental health crisis or mental health issues, what kind of uh, you know disorders or issues fall into that category that we're specifically going to address? Well, I think with mental health, for example, uh, there's a number of issues yeah. that uh, we could talk about, but some of the more commonly known ones would be things like depression. Okay. Anxiety, ADD, OCD, bipolar. Then you would have other issues that could come into play like paranoid schizophrenia, okay. uh, borderline personality disorder. Yep. And then it, when it even comes, just take, for example, anxiety. Anxiety is sort of the umbrella term, but then that can get nuanced because then the question is, is it general anxiety disorder? Is it social anxiety? Mm-hmm, yeah. So there's even different types in all this. So I say that because we got to be careful that we don't typecast somebody into some general mm-hmm. broad right. stroke. Right. And this is where we have to appreciate maybe what some of the professionals are learning as they sit and spend hundreds upon thousands upon thousands of hours listening to these different stories that people have to better help us to be equipped with what this looks like. So in the church, I think that, you know, it's never our place, so to speak, to be saying, you know, you struggle, it seems like, with the classic case of borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Uh, But rather, we might notice that there's some anger. We might notice that there is a struggle to really understand reality. And we might encourage someone to go to a counselor. Mm. And we might talk to the counselor on the side as pastors. But that's not our job to be diagnosing people on those ways. But I do think when it comes to the family of emotions as it relates to depression, anxiety, uh, those are common, right? And 
they fit also in the mental health department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think good for, and for this conversation, we've, we've gone more into kind of the specific details, uh, you know, uh, in other episodes, we're addressing myths, we're talking to parents. So on this one, we're going to kind of keep it a little bit meta. So we're going to talk about, you know, kind of Christian doctrine. There seems to be a little bit of a divide in the church on kind of what to do with mental health, right? Is there, you know, what do we do with it? Is it a moral issue? Is it a, uh, you know, a, a sin issue? Is it just, you know, a medical issue only? So we're going to talk about kind of how some of those things, uh, you know, intersect. So, Bobby, talk to us a little bit about the core doctrines of Christianity that directly relate to, or that mental health could kind of fall underneath. Well, that's an actually uh, challenging question yeah. when you consider that, and that might be what has some people having reservations, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're looking in the Bible, uh, you're not finding, uh, you know, clinical psychology. And, you know, this last month, we've talked a lot about it, but it's just because we're just trying to address an issue that's happening. Um, But if you are to think about the doctrines, I mean, I think that the doctrine of humanity. Yeah. Who are we? And then what is the Christian worldview? And when we talk about a worldview, we're talking about the way that we're to see the world with Christian lens. Yeah. And when we see the world, or even when we see ourselves, when we understand humanity, what does it mean to be created in God's image? And what does it mean to have a proper identity? And how does mm-hmm. that then help our mental health issues? Yeah. Because depending upon which worldview you have, you might offer up a different set of solutions or antidotes to help assuage one's emotional or mental mm-hmm. angst. Mm. And so I think as it relates to the Christian worldview, I think that understanding that humanity's complex, that we're fallen. I think that the, I think that the doctrine of the fall, because we're fallen, mm-hmm. uh, we're mutating to death. Yeah. Uh, when I interviewed John Sanford, who is a Cornell scholar uh, out of Columbia, an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. he talked about in his book on entropy that we are mutating to death mm-hmm. and that every that our kids have a hundred mu- more mutations yeah. than we do. So Dawson, yeah. uh, I've <laughs> always felt pretty jacked up. Yeah. So if you feel like you got a hundred more mutations than me, dude, yeah. you know, he's thank like, you. yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that, that you, you can't live a better life than your old man, mm-hmm. because you can learn a lot more about some of the solutions. But all that to say, to take the doctrine of, 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 of the fall. Mm-hmm. We live in a fallen world. It's corrupt. We're mutating to death. So mm-hmm. it can fit into that. Uh, the, our doctrine of God. Um, you know, how do, how do we think that God perceives us yeah, as exactly. Christians? Yeah. Uh, well, we're loved. We're forgiven. So you can begin to see, you can take these doctrines in a number of ways. Salvation. Do we believe that we have to earn God's approval, or do we believe that we're saved by grace? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I really think that there's a, a way that if we understand that mental health, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about it. Our, we'll be more mentally healthy if we have a proper self-identity and understand. Uh, we'll age better uh, if we yeah. understand that dying is just part of the process uh, but we have hope beyond the grave. Yeah. And, you know, aging can be really hard on your mental health if you don't have a biblical worldview and you think that, you know, beyond the grave, you're hosed. Yeah. Well, you would know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> anything else you want to add to that? Um, yeah. I mean, just to, those are excellent points. I, I feel like it's, it's, 
it's so tough to know like we we all long for purpose, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and we all want to find some sort of fulfillment in our life. And it's so hard to to know what to chase, right? Yeah. And what's a be- what's beautiful about having an objective moral God as our as our as our um, as someone we can look up to as an example is is Ephesians, right? Put off your old self and put out your new self, which was created in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So we yeah. know that 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 we can find. Um, we can fill that void with something that is worth of e- eternal value. Yeah. Um, and that's what's so beautiful about the Christian faith because mm-hmm. not many other uh, worldviews, in particular a secular worldview or atheism, that it doesn't offer that. Yeah, yeah. and you brought up a really good point. And I thought for sure that the that Bobby would mention this, but morality. I mean, we talked to David Wood, who yeah. you know is a you know psychopath, and yet his doctrine of morality, which comes from Christianity, allows him, even though he doesn't feel mm-hmm. guilt, to be able to still Absolutely. act in, in alignment with that. So I think that's a really interesting one. I think another one that's maybe on the fringes that I would add is the, the interplay of the soul in uh, our physical bodies, like so, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the, not not in a full dualist sense, but just how those two things kind of fit together—the mm-hmm. body, mind, and spirit—how those fits together. And then uh, the third one that I would mention, um, and I don't think we'll talk a lot about this one because we've mentioned it in other shows, is how uh, you know there's demonic influences that can go. Sometimes people would just say, uh, you know, that if you're having a mental health issue, right? If you're kind of you know in you know if you have one of those things that you mentioned, depression, anxiety, that that's Satan working yeah. in your life, and that's all it is. And there's nothing more to it than that. And you just have to get Satan out of your life and you have to, you know, continue to read the scriptures and continue to pray and, and yep. Satan will leave you and then you'll be healthy. Um, and we, we, we've, we'll, we'll talk about that one more in the idea of kind of some of those myths that we talked about in another episode. So we're not really going to cover that. So I think those are some of the doctrinal issues that we've, you know, we're kind of looking at here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, now I think it's good to... To, to look at the Christian worldview, but then compare it to other worldviews. So how does um, Christianity differ from other popular worldviews when it comes to dealing with specifically solutions to mental health? I mean, that's a big question right there. And I think for me, primarily, I've been trying to just grapple with as a pastor and as a Christian apologist, what does it look like to recognize that we have this mental health crisis and how can we do a better job in the church. Mm. So I haven't spent a lot of time even considering how other belief systems are tackling it because I just know how far behind we are as a church. But to give myself a little bit of thought on this, take, for example, Scientology, founded by L. Ron Hubbard. Mm -hmm. And... He was somebody who I can remember as a kid when I, you know you go into Hollywood and you had the the Church of Scientology right, right. there in mm. downtown Hollywood. Dawson, you lived in Hollywood, uh, oh, and, yeah. and Scientologists are there. Yeah, uh, you a know, lot of them. and there is there's quite a few. But the whole process of Scientology is that you uh, have existed uh, before in a world as a Thetan. And so you come into this world and you have these engrams that need to be um, eradicated out of you. Uh, these are bad thoughts, uh, and this you need a complete work over. And so, what you do in the Church of Scientology is you go in and you would work with like an auditor, and you pay significant money, and they hook you up to an e meter. And they're helping you to get in touch with your 
thetonic self, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing is is they're auditing you so that you can get rid of um, these engrams, this this negativity, so that you could experience mental health and holistic health, so to speak. So that's one approach. That's really expensive. Uh, uh, There's a lot of price there. You think about... um, Others, uh, like Muslims, well, what would their mental health be like? How's this? Allah is going to take the scales out, and you could live the most virtuous life before Allah, but when you stand before him at the judgment, um, he's going to tip the scales. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad Mm -hmm. deeds, well, then hopefully uh, he'll let you into heaven, uh, but that's hopefully. Like it's still, Allah does what Allah does. So you can see the kind of insecurity and the torment, especially as you start to get older and you think about, my goodness, or you lose a loved one. Mm -hmm. Take Hinduism, for example. How would the karmic vision play on you of envisioning (laughs) a life of going through the cycle of samsara? (laughs) And so here you are as a Hindu, and uh, number one, um, you... What we need so often in life to heal is validation. Mm. Well, how do you validate people who are just experiencing the karma from their past life? Right, right. So it's not like you could say, because in other words, the whole system would breed judgment. You're just getting, you're reaping what you sow, except that's Jewish language. They're experiencing the karma of their past life. And so... All of a sudden, their identity is like, my goodness, how am I ever? And it's like pulling your own bootstraps up. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to take atheism, um, you know, there's another field where you can start to get into things. On atheism, like, why are we even concerned about identity? Why are we even concerned about mental health? How can we even trust our faculties about mental health since they're predetermined right. to tell to, to work the way they are? So. Mm-hmm. That is a little bit of what I'd share. Dawson, would you want to add to any yeah, of that? Like, yeah, like, well, I think what's what makes Christianity so different is so, so let's take new atheism, for example. Yeah. Um, the new atheism movement, they, they, not only do they deny God, they, they think it's, it's, it's destroying Dangerous. us almost yeah. as a yeah. society. Now, if you compare our God and you understand his attributes, now there's a lot of misconceptions about those, and those can very easily be cleared up through the Bible. Um, you'll come to the conclusion that God is a peaceful God. He's a loving God, especially when you look at the new covenant. Now, when you have, um, let's take Islam, for example, uh, that, you have radical Muslims, right? And, 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 and they're taught that they can manipulate people in their religion, um, yeah. and, and that's dangerous. So I would say that um, we don't, I feel like that our God, um, he offers us to, to be able to really uh, uh, come toward him. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Come toward him and understand his attributes. Um, yeah. So that's one thing I would say. Yeah, that's really good, Dawson. Yeah. I mean, how do you come toward Allah? Like, it's like you right. just stand in fear. Yes. And, yeah. Well, and then again, like one of the things that you were talking about, the, you know, secular atheists, you know, kind of science-driven worldview, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're looking at medication, you're looking at, you know, manipulation in that sense and environment. And uh, that really then goes into this, how we structure society, because everything that is wrong with society must be a mental health issue. And if we could just get people all on the right track mental health-wise, whether that's with medication or otherwise, then we'll be moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. There's no room for grace. There's no room for, you know, free choices in that sense and in the deterministic worldview. 
worldview. So I think that's that's really interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, about some of the the resources that we could point people to that are Christian if they are struggling with some like reconciling the Christian worldview with some of these mental health issues. Where would you point people uh, to some good resources on this? Well, I mean, Dawson has um, been really helped by Dr. James Wilder. Okay. And it's not so much that it's worldview in the sense of like Nancy Piercy and, you know, the late Chuck Colson and John Stone Street. Um, But I would say that it's it's worldview from the standpoint, it, it revolutionizes the way you understand as a Christian, the way that this can help your mental health. So it is worldview in that way. Yeah, Yeah, it's just like, it it is, all their reasoning is grounded in the Bible. Mm. Um, They just approach, um, like Jim Wilder and his work, they approach it from a psychological point of view. So like checking out life model works, um, there's a book, it's called uh, Transforming Fellowship, 19 Brain Skills. So it gives you 19 brain skills um, that can help you in your everyday-to-day life. Um, That is by life model. Um, There's there's several resources. What about the book on joy? Do you remember? Returning to joy. Yeah, returning to joy. Yeah, I can't remember the author off the top of my Um, head, but yes. I think that, was that Wilder? Could have been. I think it was Wilder Could have for been. some reason, but either way, it, um, returning to joy or return to joy. Rare leadership, Marcus Warren. That's a good one, right? That's there. a great one. Yeah, yeah, and that does, uh, and he did that with Wilder. Jim Wilder. Yeah, um, rare leadership. It just takes the acrostic rare, uh, mm-hmm. and it really just helps you to understand how a good mental health, uh, you know. Composure can help you in your leadership. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that is evident is there's a lot of toxic leadership. I mean, just look what's happening in the whole Hillsong movement. And yeah, I mean, it's been one thing yeah. after another. Now, one of the things that creates toxicity is the environment is sometimes not set up for authenticity and yeah. grace because the moment you're authentic, you're punished. Yeah, mm-hmm, And yeah. I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't talk about addressing and confronting, but we often talk about like, um, you know, we need accountability partners. I'm thinking, I'd rather have friends that just love me enough to speak truth into my life than just go in search of some accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if somebody's looking at me that, be my accountability partner. Um, well, I mean, anybody can walk around and just tell you where you need to shape up. Um, wouldn't you rather me be your friend that yeah. cares first and foremost about you? And yeah. then if we have to address an issue. So I think that that whole idea, we start scaring people. We think we're being real because we showed up <laughs> at a small group. Yeah. yeah, And we think that our mental health is getting better because we're going through the religious motions. But we're really not getting better until we start getting real, but we can't get real until we feel safe, but we're not going to feel safe when you're judgmental. Yeah. Uh, you can make judgments, but there's a difference between being judgmental and making judgments. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Uh, I'll kind of add maybe an umbrella, you know, category here. I think Cloud and Townsend are another one that that's pretty, oh, yeah. pretty mm. good when it comes to you know, particularly counseling, mental health issues, boundaries, uh, boundaries. Yeah. yeah, and then there's two other ones that are a little bit more kind of philosophical and, and really focused on the Christian worldview. But the four philosophical foundations for a Christian worldview, which is like a massive book. That's not a book mm-hmm. you like pick up and read in a yeah. weekend. I think that's the uh, that's Biola's Masters in Philosophy. Uh, textbook, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's a really great book for understanding, you know, just how different worldviews, how you're assessing um, all kinds of different, you know, 
evidences and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And the other one that's maybe a little bit easier would be Love the Lord with All Your Mind mm-hmm. by J.P. Moreland. Moreland. I thought mm-hmm. that was a really mm-hmm. good one. Uh, kind of the first half of that book just really emphasizes the, um, the relationship between uh, – a healthy uh, intellectual Christianity and our, you know, kind of heartfelt where mm. those two things come mm-hmm. together. And I know for me personally, uh, growing up, I was much more type B, I'm much more of an artist in that sense, and just never really developed that type A in the apologetic and the, the thoughtful Christianity mm-hmm. side. So that book really helped kind of bring those two things together for me. Yeah, you know, the whole thing with Moreland too is um, after that book, um, he wrote a, a, a book on anxiety. Mm, yeah. Uh, and and J.P. Moreland's a, a classic example. I mean, here's a scholar, uh, first-rate erudite philosopher, and he's somebody who really appreciates the mental health yeah. crisis that's going on. Yeah. And I don't remember the name of the book off the top of my head. I read it as well, and I thought, you know, this was great. So here's J.P. Moreland talking about how he's wrestled with anxiety mm-hmm. and depression and what that was like for him. And so really trying to give an answer to the local church. And this is why I think that the mental health crisis, we have to have an apologetic for this. We have to be able to recognize that apologetics doesn't mean just giving arguments for the existence of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're giving a defense for why mental health has a serious consideration to be given inside the Mm -hmm. local church but while also admitting the church is at a loss sometimes to know what to do with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Dawson, maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, just what, what you would like to see the church and its leaders do um, to help those that are in crisis specifically. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who have been burned by their student pastors, who have been burned by um, anyone within the youth field, because... Uh, it's so tough sometimes we, we to know how to approach certain emotional situations. Yeah. Um, if if a kid comes to a student pastor um, and they have they have they're struggling a little bit and they're honest with them and they're vulnerable with them and then that student pastor um, doesn't it goes doesn't they breaks their trust yeah. they're going to be so disillusioned with the church and and how most people view the church is how they view God especially at that young age. Yeah. So if they can't trust their student pastor then they, in their minds they think they can't trust God. So we have to. Um, we have to maintain that, that, that authenticness, right? We have to maintain that trust. I think that's incredibly important. Um, I also just think that, let's look at Ecclesiastes, for example, Solomon, you know, he had everything, all the riches in the world, and he came up with the conclusion that everything is meaningless. We need to have an above the sun mindset. Um, encouraging these kids that, 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 uh, turning towards unhealthy coping mechanisms, like, like drugs, mm. that doesn't heal, that just numbs. Yeah. And then offering them hope. Um, pointing them up above the sun. If you chase this, if you get to know God and experience Him, then that is 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 of eternal value. Um, yeah, mm. that's what I would say on that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you had mentioned uh, kind of in our pre-show talk uh, just about David. Maybe talk a little bit about David's mental health struggles and how that was reflected in the scriptures and maybe what mm-hmm. was going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think David is somebody that clearly, uh, you know, he was a tormented soul at times. Yeah, he was a poet yet a king and that's interesting because a lot of times you know you think of kings uh being maybe more left brain they got an organizational axis that just helps them to achieve what they're wanting to do but then you see this right brain this this he he plays instruments to assuage king saul's angst right Mm -hmm. his paranoia but then for himself he's a poet so he's a musician he's a poet um He's a lover, 
boy, too much of a lover, yeah. uh, gets himself <laughs> yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Um, but then, yet he's called a man after God's mm-hmm. own heart, so he gets relationship. So David was a very textualized person, and uh, he was somebody who, on one side, experienced what it was like to be a victim of somebody else's mental health, Saul. Yeah. I mean, Saul. I mean, imagine going out to dinner with Saul, and, and you know, I mean, he's eluding spears as they're being chucked at him. Right. That'd be tough. So he knew that, but then he would know his own torment, um, and he records that so beautiful and so well. And I think yeah. that we have a lot from David. He also teaches us a lot about the power of sin. And mm. Psalm thirty-two, you can see the consequences that his sin with Bathsheba caused to him emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, He was exhausted. He couldn't sleep. That would affect his mental Mm -hmm. health. And then in Psalm 51, you can just see the confession and how God loves brokenness in a contrite heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. I don't know. Somebody really needed to get a hold of me at that point. But. It was David. <laughs> it was David. David was calling me up. <laughs> um, Dawson, any uh, just closing thoughts here? No, I mean, I just, on the on the point of David, I, I just love the whole, this was a man who, who slept with another man's wife and had him killed. And like my dad said, he was still called a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Um, he messed up at times. He turned towards pleasure to, to cope with some of his emotions even probably. Um, but this was a man at the end of the day, he humbled himself. And, and came to God. And, and when he was worked up, he looked at God as someone who could bring him peace. He, he leads me besides the waters. He makes me lay down. He was someone who, who, who he knew God was the only person who could fill that void. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we hope that this episode is able to give you some hope, give you some resources in order to uh, continue to improve your mental health. And with that, we will meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. Sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.